out, uh, the book of James. We are still in missions emphasis uh, month here, and as I think about our missions uh, department, missions emphasis, uh, as we think about the mission, uh, what, it, what is the mission of the believer? And our mission should be the Lord's mission. Our, our focus should be what the Lord had, what his focus is. And so uh, with that, we continue this mission's emphasis. We cannot, con- we cannot continue the mission without you. And I, and I want all of us to, to recognize that. It's not just the mission gets accomplished by somebody else. That somebody is a person. And without you, we cannot accomplish the mission. Every believer is vital to the mission. Every one of us. The kids, uh, the kids are, uh, they have an opportunity to, be, to participate in the mission. We've got some of, some of the little ones are passing out more tracts than the adults. You know why? They are being a part of the mission. And with that, the mission is important. And whether it's a child, whether it's a teenager, whether it's an adult, uh, whether it's a, a senior saint, every one of us are vital to the mission. You say, well, pastor, I, I, I can't do anything. If you couldn't do anything for the mission, you would be in heaven. God didn't put us here just to breathe air. He had a purpose in our existence. Now, do we believe that? Boy, I guess we don't. Do we believe that? Do we believe that God has a purpose for our life? Amen, he does. And if we believe that, then that means that there is something he wants me to do. Amen. And our mission should coincide with his mission. Amen. That's what a disciple is. That's what a follower of Christ is. We are coming alongside Christ, partnering with him to accomplish the mission. Uh, Luke 19.10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. John 3.16, the verse that we all know, for God, quote it with me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do we believe that? Amen. That means that God loves everybody. God wants everybody to be saved. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is, that's what God's mission is. He wants us uh, to be a part of getting the gospel out. Uh, That's why he commissioned uh, the great commission, uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, everyone. So the gospel needs to be going out. Now, the mission then includes us. Amen. Boy, this is going to be a long night. All right. I can go just as slow as you can. All right. So uh, the mission includes us. 
So we are to be a part of that mission. And so we're vital to the mission. You are vital to the mission. Every believer is a part of the plan of God to get the gospel to the lost. Amen. That's getting the gospel to our kids. Amen. But that's also getting the gospel to somebody else's kids. That's getting the gospel to our family. But it's also getting the gospel to somebody else's family. And so uh, the mission. uh, So missions is referencing the mission, which is to see people saved. And so uh, God's people uh, are to be a part of that plan. But if we lose you, we can't accomplish the mission. You matter. You matter. Every single one of us, there's a part that God wants you to play in his plan. You matter. And you may not have a title or a position, but you're an ambassador for Christ. We are to stand before this world and represent a king of another country. That's the mission. And so, so we can't accomplish the mission if you're not a part. Now, in our text, God's people had been under great persecution. And with this great persecution and pressure, it was pressure from the rich. It was pressure from the religious And it was pressure from the unrighteous. And so this pressure that the people were feeling, it was causing them to be put into a position where they had to decide whether or not they were going to go forward for the mission. Whether they were going to stand true for the cause of Christ. And so uh, with this, uh, we see that there was uh, going to be a day of recompense, but the day is not yet. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. But, but the Lord hasn't had the day of judgment yet. And he didn't have it then. And he has not had it yet through these ages. But the day is coming. Three times in the book of James, in our text, in this chapter, he references the coming of the, of the Lord. The coming of the Lord. So with this, these believers being being pressured and being under great trials of affliction, were they to run to the hills? No. Were they to run to Texas or Tennessee or Idaho or Montana, Texas? No, of course not. But how were they going to bear up under this weight? How were they going to stand in this time of pressure? Because the Lord wasn't delivering them out of the pressure. You know, the Lord seldom delivers anybody out of pressure. He delivers them through pressure. He doesn't get us out of trouble. He gets us through it. 
the affliction, the trials, uh, we find that God uses them in our lives to accomplish something uh, great in our future. And so what instruction did James give to these believers? Now, James, uh, this James, there were several James. Uh, they had James and John, sons of Zebedee. That's not this James. They had James, the son of Alphaeus. Uh, he, this is not that James. This is James. They believe the brother the half-brother of the Lord. Uh, they believe that that is the James that uh, we are talking uh, about who is writing this, who is giving instruction. James was the principal elder of the church in Jerusalem. And so this was an individual that was a spiritual individual. You talk about a predominant church. The church in Jerusalem was a predominant church. This was a impactful ministry. And so James was an individual that God had put in a position to lead people, to lead a ministry that believers were looking to. They were looking to the church at Jerusalem and what was going on. And so James was the pastor of that church there. And so uh, he had been honored to get that opportunity. And he, uh, history tells us that James, uh, during this persecution, he was thrown down out of the temple and was, became a martyr, being beaten with clubs. Now, they say that James was, was, uh, had the same words on his lips as he was being uh, martyred that the Lord had. They, history has recorded that James said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, if somebody was beating me with a club, I don't think that that would be my response. But that was his response. So James was preparing. The, the culture of the day was one of extreme attack. It was an extre extremely violent. And when we think about that, James here, uh, he is trying to prepare these believers for that pressure, for those trials. So let's look again uh, at the, the text verses tonight. James chapter 5, verse 7. Uh, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Now just stop and think about that. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Now, that was patience for their entire life. How many of you like being patient? That is, that is not usually one of our strong suits. He said, be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And so he said here that establish your heart, establish it, stabilize your heart. The word is to strengthen your heart. And so why was that? Because trials are coming. Trials are coming. Tribulations are coming. Persecution is coming. Uh, there were problems that were just around the corner. And with that, uh, the people were coming to James. What do we do, preacher? And he said, strengthen your heart. 
Tonight, that's what I want to speak to on the, the subject, strong heart. Strong heart. And let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for our people. I pray that each and every one of us would, uh, would see the importance of us having a strong heart uh, so we can withstand, so we can endure uh, through the burdens and trials and problems that life brings our way and that we can be faithful to you uh, so we can accomplish uh, your mission uh, for our life. And so I pray that you'd help us now for Christ's sake. Amen. So Proverbs chapter 24, go there tonight. Proverbs chapter 24, hold your place here in James, but Proverbs chapter 24. And I want you to uh, cross-reference a verse together, uh, Proverbs chapter 24 and verse number 10. I think this is something that we have to really grab a hold of because battles are coming to every one of us. Now, we may not find ourselves being thrown out of a, a temple and being beaten with clubs. That might not be our end result. We might not find ourselves in catacombs, but there are problems and tribulations and trials that we are going to face. Proverbs 24.10, the Bible says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. If thou faint. Now, Who's he talking to? Yeah, us. Is he talking just broad or is he wanting it to be individually grabbed a hold of? Specific. When, when you look at the word of God and it says thou, okay, he's talking to us. He's talking to me. And the Lord said, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. You know what we need? We need a strong heart. We need a strong heart. Why? Because if we don't have, if we're not strengthening our heart, we're going to faint. Amen. Amen. We've got to have a strong heart. So what does a strong heart look like? Go back to James. What does a strong heart look like? James chapter 5, verse number 7. He says, be patient, therefore, brethren. Number one, a strong heart. What is a person that has a strong heart? Number one, what do they need? They need to be patient. Be patient. Be patient. You and I don't know what tomorrow holds, but our God knows what hold, he holds tomorrow. He knows what's in tomorrow. He knows what we are going to face. He is not surprised by cancer. He is not surprised by, uh, by uh, financial situations. He is not, uh, he is not uh, surprised when there are relational problems. He is not surprised by anything. He is not surprised by what's going on over in Palestine and Israel. This, this isn't anything that is catching the Lord uh, off guard. Uh, 
that, that statement, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? I mean, uh, what a profound statement when we grab a hold of that. What does it remind us? It reminds us that we have a sovereign God who has a plan and his plan is being fulfilled. His plan is being fulfilled. And you say, well, how could this be in God's plan? I don't know. I'm not God. I have, one thing I have learned is I don't have to explain God. I can't do a good job of it even if I tried. You know what I have to do? I, need, I have to trust God. And if I'm going to trust God, I need to be patient. Burdens are coming my way. I need to be patient. Wait. Wait on the Lord. What do we find? When we are being patient, uh, we are allowing God to be God in our life. Those circumstances that we think that there is no way for us to get out of, there's a God in heaven that knows exactly how to get us through that situation. We don't have to try to figure it out on our own. Wait on God. Wait on God. If God can't take care of our needs here, he can't take care of our needs anywhere. If if God isn't big enough to, to handle my circumstances, then he's not a God worth serving. But he is worth serving. What was James telling these believers? He's getting ready to get martyred. And he's telling them, be patient. Now, does being patient mean that everything's going to work out? No. It just means that I'm going to stay and I'm going to trust God no matter what the circumstance is. Does God know your circumstances? He does. He knows our circumstances. Does God have a solution for our circumstances? Absolutely. He does. But if we're not patient, we won't, be, we, won't, we won't see it. You know why? Because we're always trying to fix our circumstances. Trust God. Patience. What does having a strong heart look like? Patience. Lord, I'm going to trust you. Amen. Say, Pastor, that just sounds, sounds easy. It's not. And it sounds e- it's easy to say. It's not easy to live. But our faith is worth living. Our God is worth trusting. He knows everything that we will ever face. He knows every situation. He knows every trial. He knows every burden. Uh, he said, be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Be patient till Christ comes back. Just be patient. Well, I just don't know how, how long. Uh, you know, I've already waited a week. Wait longer. Be patient. How long? Till the Lord comes back. You know, the Bible says that God puts us in the body as it hath pleased him. Do you know why these chairs are not full tonight? 
because people move themselves out of the body. That's absolutely right. Now, I'm not saying that every person that left was out of God's will. I'm just saying there are a lot of people that are out of church, not serving the Lord. You know, they move themselves. Be patient. How patient? How patient should I be? I'm glad you asked that question. Let's look again at the Bible. He has the answers. Be patient, therefore, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath, what? Long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. You know what he's saying? Be patient like a farmer. You know what? There's a whole lot of waiting that goes in to farming. Agriculture is not a fast industry. There is a whole lot of time that goes into preparing the ground, getting that soil prepared. Then there's the uh, furrowing, there's the planting, there's the watering, there's the fertilizing. Then there's the waiting Man, I planted those, well, zucchini. You can plant them one day and, and uh, get some zucchini the next just about. Uh, but most things aren't like that. It takes quite a while for it to grow and for that fruit to come. Uh, it, is, it is a slow process. And the process that the Lord is saying is the husbandman, uh, our heavenly father, he is waiting for the fruit of the vine. He is waiting for the seed uh, to be planted and it to be watered and it to grow and to bring life. He is waiting for the harvest. He's waiting for people to get saved. How long should we wait? We should wait. We should be patient like a farmer. The husbandman waiteth. Uh, patience in preparing the soil. Patience in selecting the seed. Patience in sowing. Patience in waiting, watering. Uh, the labor. Uh, you begin to see the fruit of your labors, but you have to be patient. And that's how we are to be patient. A strong heart, you'll see patience. That patience comes with expectation of seeing fruit. Amen. There's something that God is going to do. Brother Valier, uh, he was uh, flying in yesterday, uh, 358, I got a text from him, heading to the airport. Uh, and so uh, in the morning, I think it was a 358, something like that. Uh, and so he was heading to the airport. And then uh, they delayed his plane, and then they delayed his plane, and then they delayed his plane. Uh, then they uh, uh, got him on a plane, and then they lost his luggage, uh, and uh, it went to Arizona. And then it had to come back to Sacramento, and it was about 11 o'clock before he got back here to church uh, after 3.58, leaving for the airport yesterday. Uh, you know what? Uh, as we were talking, he said, God's always doing something good. I don't know what he's doing, though. 
But you know, we have to realize God's got a plan. It is not just that somebody made a mistake. No, there's a God in heaven that had a reason for that event. And I don't have to understand it all. But if I believe God is sovereign, then I'm going to trust him. And that takes patience. Patience. How long are we to be patient until the coming of the Lord? The Lord is patiently waiting for the harvest, the early and the latter rains. And he has our husband, the husbandman is waiting for the vines to be ripe. Uh, the fields are white. Uh, the harvest is full. So what do we need to do? We need to be patient if we're going to have a strong heart. Number two, we need to be gracious. Be gracious. Look again at our text. Look at James 5 verse 9. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. You know what God's saying? Be gracious one to another. God's standing at the door as judge. He'll take care of it. You just be gracious one to another. Now, that word, that word grudge there, it, it is, it's a word that is only used twice in the Bible. Uh, it's stenazo, uh, and it's, it means to complain. To complain. I was talking to Miss Janice earlier today, and uh, I said, how are you doing today? She says, well, I can't complain. I said, nope, doesn't do any good. She says, well, I could complain, but I'm not going to. Uh, and uh, it means to complain. It, it means to groan. You know, we have to realize that we bring a spirit with us. Don't bring a spirit that is negative to the brethren. Don't complain. Don't groan. That negative attitude, spirit. You know what we should be doing? We should be lifting up one another. We shouldn't be bringing people down. When you get around some people, certain people you just feel energized because you have been around. Be one of those people. He said, I don't know how to. Get a book. Watch a YouTube video. Do some study on social interaction. Learn. He said, well, that's just not my, my spirit. Well, you, you go to YouTube to figure out how to make something. You don't know how to cook something. You go on YouTube to find out how to do it. How many of you have ever looked up a recipe? All right. Absolutely. Now, with that, you know, we, we need to guard we need to realize that God has a plan. There's pressure coming. You need the people sitting around you. And you need them to be topside. This lady right here, the amount of problems that I deal with as a pastor, I shoulder the problems of many, many people. I do not bring them to her. 
If I discourage my encourager, I'm in trouble. You know, you and I, we need to, we need to be topside, not just for ourselves, but for our family. We need to be topside for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to be helping one another. Why? Problems are coming. Tribulation is coming. Persecutions are coming. Pressures are coming our direction. He says, grudge not. So to complain, to groan, it is to, to verbally inflict pain on another. To tear one another down. Grudge not one another. You say, well, you just, you just don't know what they did. God knows. The judge standeth at the door. God knows how to handle the brethren. Amen. Well, that person there, I just, I just can't see eye to eye to them. Yep, can't see eye to eye with anybody except for a five-year-old. <laughs> no, you might not see eye to eye. Am I in trouble? All right. Uh, so uh, just, just guard it. Uh, it goes on to cause pain. The grudge to cause pain. We don't need to be hurting one another. We need to be lifting up. So Herb, Hebrews, this, this word stenazo is only used twice in the Bible, here in James, and then go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, in verse number 17. Bible says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit, submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that misgive an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. The word grief here is stenazo. Grief. Don't bring grief to each other. You and I should be bringing joy. We should be bringing encouragement. We should be bringing health. We should be edifying, lifting up one another. So be gracious, James 5, 9, grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. God's watching. God's watching. Uh, behold, the judge standeth before the door. So with a strong heart, be patient, be gracious. Number three, be long-suffering. Be long-suffering. Verse number 10, James 5, 10. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. You know, God has, he has written and, and preserved his word, and we open that up, and we see it, and we see that how they had endured suffering and affliction. You know what? Uh, by that, we count them happy. We, we see the benefit of what they went through and how it brought something good about, right? So consider the prophets. Do you think that God could bring something good out of their tribulation, but he can't bring something good out of my tribulation? Hello? Yeah. 
So the things that God brings into our life, they didn't see how it was all going to turn out. Why should we expect that God's going to show us how it's going to turn out? We are, we are to uh, be long-suffering. Uh, so what with that, we are to endure suffering. Uh, the, the example of suffering that the prophets had, uh, they endured suffering. The prophets, the people of God, our forefathers, uh, the patriarchs of the faith, the faithful, they endured long-suffering. Uh, they, uh, they endured the troubles and trials of life. And so uh, these were all examples of long-suffering. They, they endured affliction. These had patience in their trials. So should we. So, so that suffering, that long-suffering, that enduring, they are dealing in that with circumstances in the patience in verse number seven, it is dealing with people. So you have people problems and then you have situational problems. And God wants us to be patient. He wants us to be long suffering. Uh, go to James one, James one. And I'm hastening, I'm watching the clock. Uh, James chapter one, verse two. James 1, 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That wanting nothing is lacking nothing. Why? Because you learned through that trial. You grew through that trial. So James 5.11 says, Behold, we count them, talking about the prophets, happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job. Job. Now, I don't know about you, I have been comforted by Job time and time again. And we use Job as an encouragement to one another. We count them happy. We look at the situation and see how it turned out and we see the benefit from the situation. But I don't see Job being happy. I don't see Mrs. Job being happy. I don't see the circumstances of all that took place be in a happy situation, but we take joy, comfort, consolation in Job. We look at Daniel, and we see a man that stood faithful, and we, we, get, we get encouragement from that. We count them happy. This was a benefit for us. We see this and how God used those circumstances and those situations. And we are encouraged in our faith when things get hard. I mean, none of us have been thrown into a lion's den. Consider Job. Consider the prophets. You think about Job. You think about Elijah, the prophets. I'm sure glad that we don't have Jezebel's. 
I mean, there are people that we might want to call a Jezebel. But she literally could have you killed just because she wanted you killed. He had, he had opposition. He had Ahab and Jezebel, the prophets of Baal. I think about uh, Samuel with Eli the prophet who had turned his back on God. He would not correct his own kids. And we see the, the, uh, the influence uh, of Hophni and Phinehas in, in Samuel's life. You see uh, a situation where a, a king is raised up uh, and uh, the king then, uh, well, God tells Samuel to go anoint David to be king. And Samuel goes back to the Lord. If Saul hears about it, he's going to have me killed. We look at the prophets, their faithfulness, their long suffering, their endurance in troubles, tribulations, problems, and we get strength. You know what we find? Our heart is strengthened. Our heart is strengthened. Think about Jeremiah being cast into the dungeon and left to die. Uh, the prophet Micaiah in 1 Kings 22, uh, how he was, he was imprisoned and he was given the, the bread and water of affliction. Well, he stood, he endured. We get strength from that. Think about the Apostle Paul, 2 Timothy 1.8. He said, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. What's he saying? He's saying, uh, as a follower of Christ, uh, we are going to suffer affliction. We are going to be under pressure uh, for the gospel. And he's just telling us that we need to endure those great afflictions even unto death. Uh, so we, we see here uh, that a strong heart, uh, we are to be patient, we are to be gracious, we are to be long-suffering. Uh, but fourthly, we are to strengthen our heart. Purposeful. It won't happen on accident. Having a strong heart is not going to take place on accident. James 5, 8, but ye also be, be also patient. Establish your hearts for the, Lord, uh, the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. This process is a process. Strengthen your heart. Establish your heart. What are we doing to stabilize, to strengthen our heart? The Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. We got to guard our heart. Keep our heart. Walk guard around our heart. Something starts coming up. We got to guard our heart. We got to protect our heart. We need to strengthen our heart. We need it to be established. We prepare our heart. Why? James is telling them, establish your heart so you can endure. Establish your heart so you don't faint. Strengthen your heart so you don't quit. Strong heart. Hey, pastor, 
What, what do you know? I don't know anything. I don't know what's going to come in the future, all the uncertainty in the world around us. I wish the Lord would just send me a, a text or an email and tell me this is what's going to happen over in Israel and Palestine and Iran. I wish he would do that. What's going on? I I don't know what's going to take place. But what I do know is my heart needs to be stable. My heart needs to be strengthened. I need to be strengthening my heart because there are problems coming our way. And James was preparing his people to establish your heart. I can't establish your heart. You have to. Nobody can do that for you. You can't delegate that. You can't just expect that somebody else is going to do it for you. Nobody is going to carry your load. You carry it. And because you're going to carry that load, you've got to establish your heart. Having a strong heart will keep us on point. It'll keep us on track. It'll keep us from strain. It'll keep us from faltering. So let's be mindful about the condition of our heart. Is our heart spiritual? The Bible says our heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? It's deceitful. Our heart, we can lie to ourselves. So if it's going to be strengthened, then I've got to make sure that I am purposefully guarding it and walking guard around it, protecting it, exercising that faith, trusting the Lord. What do we find? We can find a strong heart. So let's have a strong heart. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for your goodness. Help us as we endeavor to stay faithful to you. Help us, Lord, to to take these admonitions that James gave the people in his day, uh, in his church, and help us uh, to realize that we have to have a strong heart as well. We've got to trust you. And and so help us uh, as we endeavor to serve and to be faithful. Bless our people. You know the needs. Uh, Give grace and help and strength, uh, uh, conviction as needed, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.